some choice in the presidential campaign other than Donald Trump or Joe Biden. One of those citizens who has expressed himself on this regard is uh, John Bolton, who was our former UN ambassador, the job that Nikki Haley later held. He was also national security advisor to President Trump. He has now announced that he is not going to be voting for Donald Trump, his former boss, or for Joe Biden, who he's also uh, known for a, a good deal of time. So no Biden, no Trump. Where to for John Bolton? Uh, he is the author of the new book, newly released in paperback, or just not coming, The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. Uh, it is coming out with a new forward uh, on Tuesday, January 30th. John, congratulations on that, and congratulations for your own declaration of independence. So what are you <laughs> going to do about your uh, your political future or your vote in the upcoming election? Right. Well, in 2020, faced obviously with the same choice, I wrote in the name of a conservative Republican. I, I live in Maryland. You can write in names for all the offices. And since there wasn't a conservative Republican on the ballot for president 2020, uh, I wrote in somebody I thought could do the job. And, and I am fully prepared to do that again. I understand the argument people make that, that it's a binary choice. I, I believe that in 2016. That's why I voted for Trump rather than Hillary Clinton. But having experienced 17 months of Trump as president up close and personal, uh, I just realized that, that whatever, however bad the choice is, Trump is not the better alternative. And, and as you, you were saying, uh, it, is, it is a sad commentary. It should cause us all to think long and hard about how we allowed ourselves to get into this position. Uh, yes, indeed. Are you able to disclose who you wrote in or you would prefer not to? Well, I haven't. Uh, I guess I'm waiting for an appropriate time. I mean, this, this election, there may be other alternatives. I, I'm not sure that they'll be better than, than writing in somebody, but... Uh, you know, perhaps as a, if there's a viable protest uh, route, uh, that that might be something. I, I'm just afraid all of these nascent third-party independent efforts are going to tilt the election one way or the other. I don't know of any third-party or independent effort that could seriously argue at this point they could get 270 electoral votes for their candidate, which means that their only impact will be to move the the the, the election in one direction or the other, and nobody can predict what that would be. So. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I live in Maryland. Uh, my vote doesn't count there anyway. So uh, it may be a harder question for people who live in, in uh, swing states. So uh, you're not uh, joining the uh, the bandwagon for uh, for Cornell West. <laughs> I think I'll give that one a pass. This in part is what worries me is with Cornell West, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the no labels effort, perhaps others. I mean, we're already in uncharted territory with just the two major party candidates, and you throw these other in, others in. I just worry that in a very close election, a multiplicity of candidates will make it seem even more illegitimate. And we're in a very dangerous place, largely, not exclusively, but largely because of Donald Trump. And I just don't want to see it made uh, any more confused than, than it has to be. No, no, I, I understand and I greatly sympathize. And as I said, many, many people that I know, most people that I know are frustrated by uh, this presidential choice, the limited choice of viable candidates. 
And uh, why do you think you talked about how we got into this situation? If you were asked to explain it, what what went wrong that the best that this great country of 330 million people can do is these two, uh, uh, this doddering duopoly of uh, Trump and Biden? Well, I think the Democrats are, are to blame in part, and they will be complicit if, if Trump is elected president. They, they think Biden is personally very popular, and they think he won in 2020, and he, and he can win again. He, he's not very popular. P- people believe he's not up to the job anymore. Uh, and he didn't win in 2020 because people were overwhelmingly impressed by him. He won because his name wasn't Donald Trump. Uh, and I think that, that But is, you do that think that up. Biden won. Uh, yes, yes, I do. And by the way, if if Trump and those who agree with him think that uh, that Biden didn't win and that the election was stolen, then they have to concede that Trump and the RNC hired the worst crew of lawyers in American history, that they couldn't <laughs> prove that uh, around the country. But, you know, the analysts have said in 2016, 2020, and again this year, there's a large group of people that don't like either candidate. Uh, and in 2016, uh, on Election Day, they decided they did not like Hillary more than they didn't like Trump, so they voted for Trump. Uh, likewise, in 2020, except that time Biden was the beneficiary. So we're, we're going to have an election, really, between the, 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 the least worst candidate for president. And uh, uh, on the Republican side, I think our, our failure was that we, we those of us who, who don't like Trump, who fear what he will do, uh, in a in a second term, simply forgot how to communicate with a large part of the party that Trump had mastered uh, the ability to communicate with, and 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 we just didn't do it. What about uh, Nikki Haley? Uh, uh, she intends to uh, to keep her campaign going. I don't know if uh, she is going to compete in the Maryland primary. Is there a primary in Maryland coming up? There should be, and you know, I, I will. I, I don't know what I'll do, but there, there are uh, other races, uh, and I think this is important for everybody to think about. We've got the control of the U.S. Senate and U.S. House up. In many states, there are gubernatorial races, local races. People should go, even if they decide not to vote for anybody for president. I, I think our salvation here is going to rest for the next four years on, I hope, uh, responsible Republican control of the Senate and control the house more easily said in the senate than in the house but uh, however unappetizing the choices at the presidential level are don't, don't forget those uh, uh, down ballot races and nikki haley ended up uh, holding the same job you once held uh do you think she did a good job as u.n ambassador yeah i do look i i think she was uh uh, uh, her her candidacy, I think, is was unusual in many respects. I'm surprised she's the last one standing. But I have to say, here here's another mistake that anti-Trump uh, Republicans made. As in 2016, the candidates running for the nomination, other than Trump, uh, engaged in a circular firing squad among themselves. Instead of arguing and explaining to the voters why Trump shouldn't be the nominee, they went after each other. And Trump just sailed blissfully above the battle. Uh, and now everybody else is gone and Trump's at over 50 percent. So we said we wouldn't make the same mistake we made in 2016. And then we went ahead and made it. 
Well, it's uh, again, uh, you're talking about historic mistakes. You have a column today in the Wall Street Journal uh, which makes the outstanding point that the U.S. failure to repulse Russia's invasion of Ukraine and Iran's ring of fire strategy against Israel is undoubtedly prompting considerable deliberation in China. While Ukraine wasn't overrun, it is far from being victorious, thereby proving to the world that the West will tolerate unprovoked aggression. Uh, we can do better, uh, and let us hope that we can do better regardless of the disappointments in the presidential campaign. Yeah, look, we've got a choice between a weak Joe Biden and a feckless Donald Trump, and uh, uh, they're both they're both inadequate to the task that we need. And uh, it's it's going to be a rough four years under under either's leadership. I appreciate your perspective, John Bolton. Congratulations on the paperback release of the room where it happened. Uh, we will be right back. Medved Show, uh, just a reminder about our flash sale, and uh, it's maybe a little bit longer than a normal flash, it's a couple of days, but we have a couple of days more, and uh, it's uh, an added opportunity to save 50% on getting an annual basic uh, Medhead subscription. Uh, normally, the... Uh, MedHead subscription like that would be sixty dollars. Uh, now it is twenty nine ninety five for a year subscription. Uh, that breaks out to about two dollars fifty cents per month, and that's the lowest it's ever been. That gives you opportunity to listen live or on demand to this radio show. When you listen on demand, of course, it's commercial free. All of this is available to you at uh, michaelmedved.com. Use the promo code MEDHEAD to get this 50% off on our flash sale. Uh, meanwhile, I, I wish there could be just a flash to do a redo on uh, the border deal that uh, had been reached, apparently, uh, by the members of the U.S. Senate and uh, had a, a chance, at least, of um, making progress in the House. It was, for several reasons, very, very important. Number one, it was represented a huge Republican victory, which uh, uh, now is being let go because President Trump uh, did not want any improvement in the border until after he's elected president. And it's just that crude and just that awful and just that inappropriate. Uh, it, it, given the fact that we do have a border crisis, and yes, people should be emotional about it, and yes, we need to do something about it. Here we have the sitting president finally willing to concede most of the important points that Republicans have said we wanted. And uh, for political considerations in order to uh, postpone uh, ameliorating the situation on the southern border, uh, President Trump 
uses his influence as leader of the party, and he is the leader of the party right now, to discourage this deal. Uh, here's commentary on on this latest development from former Congresswoman uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, listen. It's true that McConnell said, you know, basically, you know, we thought we had a deal, but now it looks like, you know, Trump's going to be the nominee and he wants to run on this. Um, I mean, that that is so cynical and and irresponsible um, and, um, you know, surprising, frankly. Um, we all know how dangerous the situation is at the border. Um, I think, you know, as I said, the Biden administration, um, you know, deserves real criticism for the fact that they haven't secured the border. Um, but now for the Republicans, the Republican leader to be saying, well, we, we're not going to take any action because Trump doesn't want us to, um, you know, that that just, I think, confirms what everybody's frustrations are about about politics today and is just really, really cynical and sad that that's the position they're taking. Cynical and sad. That could be a caption to uh, a, a picture of the situation. Uh, Mitt Romney, who, yes, is still a member of the U.S. Senate. Uh, he uh, His term lasts until January of uh, this coming year. Senator Romney uh, also was critical of this development, and he had been involved in the deal to try to get a meaningful uh, border compromise, which they did, but it was a compromise that everybody said tilted Republican. It would have not made the situation on the border perfect, but it would have made it vastly better. And if you look at the details of what it provided, plus, of course, opening up the fact that it could have uh, loosened up some crucial assistance to Ukraine at a uh, extremely serious moment of the war. Uh, here is Senator Romney. Do you think this is what he wants, the issue, Donald Trump? This is what he's doing. Oh, I, I, think, I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is uh, is really appalling. But the, but the reality is that, that uh, we have a crisis at the border. The American people are suffering as a result of uh, what's happening at the border. Uh, and someone running for president ought to try and get the, uh, you know, the problem solved as opposed to saying, hey, save that problem. Don't solve it. Uh, let me take credit for solving it later. And uh, again, that is an untenable position for President Trump. Uh, the, uh, it, it also opens up uh, the opportunity for Nikki Haley to show an alternate point of view, a very different point of view. She has just released a big new ad that is playing apparently in heavy rotation all across South Carolina. And uh, that ad sounds like this. But I felt I should do this because I find in life you can't let people get away with bull****. We have an economy that's crushing middle-class Americans. We have a border that is totally open. And we did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. 
When I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up, I said, what's she doing? The other day, Donald Trump accused me of not providing security at the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> now, I've long called for mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75. Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. And uh, again, that uh, goes to the point of Daniel Henninger's column today. Uh, it's a... Uh, uh, a very, very uh, inviting invitation, one would think, for President Trump. In other words, he's very proud of his commanding presence, his ability to communicate. Uh, he he clearly believes he's one of the great speakers in American history. <laughs> no one, uh, certainly not since the 19th century, has been given to such lengthy speeches as President Trump, uh, and even recently. So why not a debate? And uh, a, a new campaign, which I think may succeed, uh, to oust another Ivy League president. Does she deserve it? We'll tell you coming up on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, the uh, president of the University of Pennsylvania uh, was pushed to resign. And Marsha, uh, pardon me, uh, Shamine Gray uh, was pushed to resign at Harvard University as president there. And uh, next in uh, line appears to be the president of Cornell, another Ivy League school, one of these eight schools that are... Uh, among America's oldest and most prestigious. In any event, uh, her name is uh, Martha Pollack, and uh, wealthy alumni activists, angered by the leadership of their Ivy League alma maters, have helped to push out presidents at the University of Pennsylvania and Harvard. Now a new group of donors are pulling out the same playbook at Cornell University. John Linseth, a Cornell alumnus, donor, and former trustee, asked the school's board of directors to dismiss University President Martha Pollack and Provost Michael Kotlikoff for allegedly uh, stilling open debate and rational argument. Alumni who support the call for the pair's ouster also were upset about diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at the school, as well as what they see as a growing anti-Semitism on campus. When you talk about the growing anti-Semitism on campus, they report in the uh, Wall Street Journal, since the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas, the Cornell campus at Ithaca, New York, has seen a number of protests and demonstrations over related issues. Most have been peaceful, but two events in the wake of the attack drew considerable fire. 
wait till you hear about the events. On October 15th, Russell Rickford, an associate professor in the university's history department, gave a speech in downtown Ithaca, New York, uh, in which he said he found the attack by Hamas on Israeli civilians exhilarating. Exhilarating to kill 1,200 Israelis. Two weeks later, a Cornell student threatened to shoot up a kosher dining hall where Jewish students eat to stab and slit the throat of any Jewish males he sees on campus and to rape and throw off a cliff any Jewish females and to behead any Jewish babies, according to court filings. Uh, In November, the U.S. Education Department announced it was investigating Cornell in connection with anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim harassment. The irony about all of this, of course, is that President uh, Martha Pollack is, in fact, Jewish, but uh, that doesn't mean uh, that she has admirable or even acceptable or even minimal sensitivity to rampant anti-Semitism on her campus. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, there was a perspective from Fox News that uh, uh, should get some people thinking about what has been happening in the presidential campaign so far. Perspective from uh, Britt Hume. Uh, This is clip seven. If you think of him as an incumbent, this showing tonight's weak, right? I mean, he should be doing better. And it's also a sign of weakness that the independents and others who voted in this primary were unwelcomed by, not welcomed by the Trump campaign and by a lot of his supporters. The idea being, of course, that we, we wouldn't want to have the kind of a party and a candidate that draws in people from the other party. So it's a, there's a sort of insane political logic at work here, but there's weakness there with Trump. There's no doubt about it, even though, even if he wins, you know, easily and going away. He's, he's got, look, he, he lost in 2020. His candidates lost in 2022. I mean, he has a lot of losses on his book. Okay, uh, it is worth pointing out. And and by the way, one of the things that was most bizarre in uh, Trump's uh, victory speech was he talked about how he had carried New Hampshire in 2016. He had carried New Hampshire even bigger in 2020. Actually, he lost New Hampshire in 2016 and lost all those four electoral votes. He lost it again by a much bigger margin, eight points, in uh, 2020. But then again, uh, Stephen Colbert asked a very relevant question reacting to uh, Trump attacking Haley's speech. Uh, This is clip eight. Haley acknowledged Trump's win but vowed to stay in the race, and Trump did not like that. Today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. How dare she act like she won when she lost? I mean, what kind of maniac pretends they won when they really lost? Anyway, getting back to what I was. Look, this is the thing. I won in 2020. I'm still president right now. Hail to the me, bing, 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 bong, bing, 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 bong, bing. <laughs> um, Governor Sununu, who uh, was also attacked by Trump in his victory speech, he said he must be on something. 
Uh, and uh, Governor Sununu is energetic. I mean, you've heard him on our show several times, and he's energetic. But again, this is one of those things that Hamilton and Federalist Papers uh, said that you expect from a president is what he calls energy in the executive. And certainly he's provided as governor of uh, New Hampshire. He had uh, this to say about uh, Nikki Haley's path to victory. This is clip nine. Look, uh, at the end of the day, the poll said she was going to lose by 25, right? And she got it within, you know, 10, 11 points, whatever it was. So she's constantly surging and constantly outperforming. Um, so he, he, he just wants everyone to, to clear, the, clear the ranks and give them the coronation. But, and, and Ronald McDaniel is completely wrong, by the way. Right? When the head of the Republican Party says, uh, we've, we've had the voters in two states uh, have their say, we'll ignore the Republicans in the other 48 states. We're just going to ignore them and just, and just tell Trump that he's the winner. Right? So these are just establishment Washington politicians galvanizing around Trump. He used to be a disruptor. Right? He used to be the guy that was going to challenge Washington. Now he's just part of this elitism, if you will, out of the Republican Party in Washington, D.C. No one wants to... You know, tell the tell the Senate what to do. They're they're basically an out of place nursing home, if you think of it that way. Uh, he's going to be their next resident. Nikki's the next generation. She's exciting. She brings energy. She brings this great conservative record to the table. That scares him, right? Because he knows that that can surge. That that that's going to have energy. And uh, basically, what he is talking about is uh, taking that energy uh, all the way to Super Tuesday. Uh, Super Tuesday is do or die. There, there will have, at the end of Super Tuesday, been enough delegates up for grabs uh, for that to settle the election. But that's on March 5th, and it's a ways away. Uh, coming up, uh, there's another controversy about another election, which has, I think, nothing to do with Trump. It's uh, the election by the Motion Picture Academy and the selections for uh, Best Film, uh, Best Director, and Best Actress. And uh, there is a, an argument that Barbie has been gypped. Uh, well, Barbie is going to get revenge because it's now available for streaming. So people who haven't seen this epic masterpiece... I say that a little bit facetiously. It's a good movie, but uh, we will be reviewing uh, Barbie coming up. Uh, we'll also talk about a, uh, another day uh, and another Hitler comparison. And I wish people wouldn't do this. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's too serious a matter, both the choosing of a, the next president of the United States and uh, understanding the real magnitude of uh, the evil involved in the Third Reich and the actual Hitler. And uh, we will also talk a little bit about getting over Trump's tantrum. Uh, that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Here's a special discount, 50% off just for being a Medhead and... And on the Michael Medved show, uh, there's a great deal of conversation about <laughs> Trump's victory speech. 
which was only 19 minutes long. It's a very short speech by his standards because his uh, rally speeches have been pushing up toward that two-hour mark again. But uh, with that rally speech, there was uh, uh, Jake Tapper, who uh, was speaking with Governor Sununu, uh, uh, Governor Sununu of New Hampshire, who was a big supporter of Nikki Haley, about uh, Trump's uh, victory speech, and he scored uh, the same point, basically, that Stephen Colbert scored uh, earlier in a clip we played. Uh, this is clip number 10, Jake Tapper and uh, Chris Sununu. Does she have to win in South Carolina? I mean, I can't understand uh, the motivation for a candidate who doesn't win the first three contests. Don't you think it's a do or die there? I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. New Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina are always the filtering states, if you think of it that way. Right? We always want to narrow it down. Now, she narrowed it down way faster than anyone thought. I do think when you get to Super Tuesday, you have to win. you got to win some states in Super Tuesday. I don't think I, uh, South Carolina is a must-win, but I have no doubt she's going to do very, very well there. Today, And uh, then they, he goes on talking about uh, 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 candidates like President Trump, who finished uh, in condemned someone who finished in second place and then insisted that he or she really won. Uh, and and this is one of those things that, um, that Karl Rove writes about. And uh, talking about New Hampshire's primary had a clear winner but a strange ending. The results didn't seem to make Donald Trump very cheery. Uh, Mr. Trump, the winner with 54 projected percent of the vote, was irritated and nasty. He castigated Ms. Haley as an imposter who had a very bad night and suggested New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu has got to be on something for supporting her. He closed by saying, I don't get too angry, I get even. The 19-minute rant made him look like an irate old man, not a confident, happy warrior, says Carl Rove. And uh, he goes on to say, then there is Mr. Trump's mental sharpness as, a, as an issue. Mr. Biden's cognitive shortcomings have long been painfully cataloged, but Mr. Trump, who turns 78 in June, has uh, had some notable flubs of his own. This month, he repeatedly used Ms. Haley's name while trying to blame House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for capital security lapses on January 6th. He mixed up Mr. Biden's and Barack Obama's names seven times last fall, according to a November Forbes report, a habit Mr. Trump later said was deliberate sarcasm. He also said he beat Mr. Obama for president and accused Mr. Biden of leading America into World War II. Maybe this is stress rather than age. Whatever it is, it could be a problem for Mr. Trump. And then he concludes this way, and I think that this is something that most Americans can agree with, with Messrs. Uh, Trump and Biden already almost certain to be their party's nominees. America faces the longest general election campaign in history, and one of its most brutal. The winner will be whoever of these two deeply unpopular men uh, swing voters come uh, to dislike a little bit less. Mr. Trump is a weak soon-to-be nominee, 
but so is Mr. Biden. And he will offer more about Mr. Biden's challenges next week. Um, the, uh, the other challenges that, that people have uh, become very exercised about have to do with the Oscars. And I can't tell you how many places they have put objections to the fact that uh, even though Barbie received eight Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, and it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Ryan Gosling playing Ken, it did not get a nomination for Best Director for Greta Gerwig and did not get a director a nomination for Best Actress for uh, Margot Robbie. And part of this has to do with a, a fact that is still an item in Hollywood. If you look at the recent films that have actually won Best Picture, uh, last uh, year, remember, it was uh, Everything All at Once, um, and Everywhere, Everything All at Once, that um, was a cult film and really a... Uh, an adventurous film, but not a, a big box office blockbuster sensation uh, like Barbie is. We've had other films like Moonlight that beat La La Land. You may remember that. And uh, The Parasite, which was the first foreign language Korean film, which won Best Picture. The, the fact is that Barbie was made as a crowd pleaser without some deep deep artistic intentions it seems to me and people shouldn't be tremendously surprised that even though it got best picture that Greta Gerwig who was nominated for best adapted screenplay which uh, she co-wrote with her partner Noah Baumbach uh, she got that nomination and should be happy with it will you be happy with the film if you're one of those few Americans who hasn't seen it yet well, you can find it now available on streaming. Uh, listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. America's favorite doll, played by Margot Robbie, lives a perfect life in Barbie land, but then she takes a perilous venture into the real world in Barbie, now playing in theaters. Wow, this is the real world. What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. If this got out, this would be catastrophic. That's Will Ferrell, who's genuinely funny as the ruthless head of Mattel Toys, trying to catch Barbie and put her back in a box. Directed by Greta Gerwig, who co-wrote the project with her partner Noah Baumbach, this is an often amusing film, but the final one-third is a disappointment, with Barbie's erstwhile sweetie Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, leading a revolution in Barbie land, where the Ken dolls try a takeover in the name of patriarchy. Rated PG-13 for a few references to human anatomy. Two and a half stars for Barbie, and yes, Margot Robbie is a living doll in her role. And Margot Robbie, I should also mention, is one of the producers of the film. Uh, <laughs> I think it's tough to feel sorry for the people uh, who put together one of the 
most successful films of recent years with eight Oscar nominations. Okay. Uh, coming up next.